Thank goodness, everybody. Hey, everybody. Welcome. It is time. Time for another brand new, brand spanking new, as the kids call it. I don't know if anyone says that. Brand new episode of Because Cannabis here on Wayward Media. Thank you for once again joining us. Brand new shows every single Wednesday, 4.20 p.m. on YouTube at Because Cannabis. That's our little tag, our little handle. Uh, And then Dustin Kava, as always. Well, actually, not as always, Dustin Kava. It's been two weeks. It's been two weeks since we've been back together. I flew solo. Easy for me to say. I flew solo two weeks ago, and then you had to uh, rock with Raven last week. Amazing job, by the way. I'm going to give you a little, little fist bump. I, I am so happy that you're back, man. I'm not going <laughs> to lie. I, I missed you last week. I feel Raven just did not get the star treatment that he deserved with me being at the helm, and I, I missed it. I missed you. I enjoy watching and listening to well, always myself, clearly. Uh, but the nuances, like Emily's show two weeks ago. Thank you, Emily Eisen. That was an amazing, fun conversation. She had just photographed Cheech and Chong for California Leaf magazine. So that was an exciting conversation with this really artistic, expressive individual, uh, which kind of feels more like your jam, right? And then <laughs> you have an amazing conversation with Raven, who is this really deep thinking, super smarter than two of us combined times affinity kind of spot right (laughs) real deep into it just a brilliant doctor uh and yeah so i feel like i would have had a different conversation but i think it's fun to hear those nuances to hear the differences i don't know i think it's fun when we have the solo shows but clearly uh wonder twins activate nothing is better than when uh, the two of us get together we got a great guest today i'm really looking forward to having our conversation uh with angela mays from the bluntaccountant.com uh but before that dustin I got to tell you, oh, I should say I got interrupted. Follow us socially at MeetWM. Subscribe. <laughs> yes, Hit the please. Button. Hit subscribe. We're getting up there. We're climbing up the stairs halfway there, living on a prayer. Not quite. Uh, you know what I'm living on, though, right now, Dustin? I'm living on cloud nine. Uh, I don't think you even know this because we haven't seen each other in two weeks. Uh, we're both feeling better, thankfully. But now that we're back together, guess what happened, Dustin? Finally. All this time of putting my thoughts and speaking these words into the microphone and dropping names like they are going out of style. Finally, someone heard me, Dustin. Someone heard me. (laughs) And guess what, Dustin? I got sent free shit. I got Ah, sent free stuff. I... Free stuff like T-shirt I to, stuff. I get well. All right, so it's something I talk about a lot on the podcast, uh, and we will get to Angela Mays from theBluntAccountant.com. It's something I talk about a lot on the podcast. So uh, <laughs> if it's you had to guess right now, who sent me free stuff based off what I drop all the time or things I talk about on this show? Okay, okay. Let me think about this. Okay, if it was glass, it definitely would have been licit, but we just did a giveaway, and he yeah, certainly didn't send glass. you anything. Big fan glass. It definitely. Oh gosh, is it okay? If we were rolling up something, no, oh, you're getting co- closer, getting warmer, uh, getting warmer, uh, getting warmer. Oh, oh my gosh, okay. I'm having to say at, whether it ah, King Pong, ah, uh, I got some really good questions right now. Like, I just got a bunch of free stuff. Is this like, am I liable financially for this? Thank goodness I have someone who can help me answer those questions with Angela Mays in the book. <laughs> Look at what King Palm, you know, I talk about how much I love. We King love Palm the Rollies. The Rollies. Yes. And they got like stuff in here. We even got rolling trays inside of here. I got more uh, different little things. They got these fancy little flavored tips and the long, super cool matches to light with. A couple lighters in there, a butane torch. 
Have you had any of the flavored tips yet? No, I haven't. Well, I've had some of the pre-roll stuff uh, into there. And then just bags and bags, all the sorts of sizes. And then we'll give a shout out to Dan from King Palm. You know the Rollies, the half gram, the smoke sesh. Ah, the perfect perfect. smoked sesh size, as I like to say. Uh, So the half gram Rollie from King Palm. Uh, We're going to give you all the shouts today because you sent me a bag of free stuff. So thank you so much, Dan at King Palm. I want you to pull out one of the flavored ones. I got to show everybody one of these. These things are fucking brilliant. One of the flavored tips here. All right. We got to yeah. get to our guest here in just a second. But let's see here. Uh, what do I got here? We got, oh, here's the flavored tips. So we got these flavored tips. Uh, okay. So right two things. One, they do come in the pre-filled. So you can get them in the half Grammys and the one grams and so on up. But I want you to open up one of them tips. Oh, my gosh. Make me do amb- ambidextrous things on here, man. I'm not I, good with this kind of stuff. <laughs> Wonderful childproof seal packaging by King Palm. Shout out to you guys. I'm not going to lie. I All love right. these. These were amazing for our customers at the shop. Okay. So we got one of these yeah. tips on the screen so here. Now I want you to slightly push on the, the middle of it so you can oh, feel that it's kind of hard. Inside of that is a terpene-filled ball that you're going to crush. You're going to crack yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now that it's cracked, I want you to put it up to your mouth and suck through it. So you can this taste the like flavor. Bubble gum. That is so much bubblegum that I think it was a lot, bro. Oh my ah, God. So now here's the it's best to be diffused through your cannabis products and your, you know, well, your and I will also products. say that, you know, if you're the type yeah. to smoke, say half of yours or something like that, those tips are, are the boss because, you know, halfway through your session, you put it out. When you go to start it up again, it kind of tastes like shit. You can pop that terpene pod and finish that other half, that half half gram of the the Kings or something like that. But I will say um, the last two years, they have really, really refined them flavors. And now they're up to like 15 or 16 and they're awesome. So if anybody's going to try them, definitely, definitely give them a try. I don't have enough lighting or enough good eyesight to read what all the flavors are. But thank you, Dan. Thank you, King Palm, for sending me a bag of goodies. Dustin and I, uh, we will surely uh, be enjoying those. So shout out to King Palm. It works. Putting it out into the universe works. Doing silly things uh, clearly works, uh, Dustin. And so Angela Mays from theblendaccountant.com, thank you for joining us and uh, listening to that. Clearly, obviously, as someone who likes King Palms and things, uh, you know, I would wasted money on a lot of devices to consume cannabis in. I have found the simplicity of maybe a rolled kind of joint, but I have spent way more money, including how I met Dustin's OG story, buying elaborate devices. But I feel like as an accountant, <laughs> a lot of people would think you are you know, really financially savvy. But is there something, Angela Mays, that you have that it just gets your dollar no matter what? What do you kind of just spend free willy-nilly? You don't care who's watching or checking the books. You're like, you know what? Whether it's a treat for your tummy or if it's something fun to play <laughs> with, like what do you have to just waste money on? What is worth it in an accountantly trained mind to waste money on. Oh my God, this has it, nothing to do with accounting, but I am a candle lover. I love oh. candles. Oh. And I went yesterday and bought three <laughs> huge candles. And I and that, as I was buying it, I kept telling myself, this is the one thing that I will go on a mission for. <laughs> <laughs> for a good candle that the entire house smells of this this candle so that that's that's my thing that's my guilty pleasure well now i know what i'm getting angela for christmas (laughs) uh are you a 
candle guy, Dustin? Do you light candles? Are you an, I feel like given your ridiculous beard and you're already like stoner, you're like a stoner starter type, a starter kit exactly is what you're wearing right now. Uh, do you go incense? I feel like you're incense and patchouli oil, but do you like candles? Do you like a good, you know, French vanilla or lilac? You know what? French vanilla is my jam. A little bit of warm vanilla sugar, some shit that gets me. But I, you know what? No, I will say though that the last year, um, me and the kids and Candace have been making candles ourselves. Ooh. And we, it, they have honestly, they've had such a blast. We'll make, you know, 30 or 40 of them at one time and then have the rest for the year type of thing. And it's, it's been awesome. But in my house, no, not really. I, uh, I don't really like like wood burning smells and I don't really like, you know, I'm just, I, my house is, yeah, scent free except for the cannabis. There is a candle hierarchy. So, uh, for example, uh, Angela Mays from the bluntaccountant.com, what three cents, uh, if you can remember, uh, did you purchase yesterday with, uh, <laughs> with those candles? Um, oh my God. I don't even remember. It was, well, let me ask you this. Let me rephrase it then. Cause calm or something okay. like that. <laughs> okay. breeze. Okay. It's always something with calming and breeze because I like going to to the beach see so, that's what i was getting to there is a hierarchy <laughs> in people's minds like i tend to go to kind of the swedish ones like sweet not swedish so nothing wrong mm -hmm. with swedish but sweet ones so like a french vanilla <laughs> but around christmas time you get these like triple stack cookie sugar extreme things which right. get too much but i <laughs> yeah, also <laughs> yeah right and i tend to avoid the more um like linen scented ones just shut the front door with your linen scent like i don't yeah. need that scent so you are a beach breezy which i would put it a good right. strong like s tier level candle i there is definitely like ranks of things though i will say i once went into a like a yankee candle store and literally had a full-blown almost needed to call the emergencies like sinus level attack like it shut down every orifice in my face like everything was clogged my eyes looked like i it was terrible i couldn't breathe i had to run out of the store like a movie like get me out and i fell like some you know it was a it was a scene angela Mays. like i really yeah. am sorry that was tmi i know but it was like you know it happens uh candles yeah if I'm being honest, are expensive, right? And so if I'm just being real expensive, and I would imagine Angela is like someone financially sound, uh, you make a lot of financial decisions when you're buying candles or uh, <laughs> when you're doing your taxes and stuff. So Angela Mays here from theblendaccountant.com. Thank you, uh, by the way. Yes, I know we thank you. Start a little silly for joining us. Uh, we are <laughs> closing in. We're closing in on tax time. Uh, this show, uh, you know, we're just a few weeks away from when these taxes are due or you magically file extensions. Can I just say, what is up with that? Is it really, can anyone get like an extension? Because I always hear the 415 deadline and then all of a sudden it's like, no, we actually do our taxes in June. Like I just, as an uneducated person, <laughs> how does that even work? Why is that a thing? Time out, that feels like cheating to me. Oh no, you can <laughs> file an extension and it's due in October. For six yeah. months. Well, see, I don't know. That's, that seems to be unfair. Oh, you, you do have to pay. Oh, all right. There's the rub. So is it just a $50 fine or is it a 3%? Is it a percentage? Is it like something that makes a big difference? Um, No, it depends. It, it depends. Um, But no, it's it's not. If you follow the the law then you should be good. But no, you you won't be penalized if you if you file an extension. That's so you're good.
So you're good there. Uh, but you said a little key phrase, uh, which is one of the reasons we wanted to have you on here with, to talk about from the blunt accountant. If you follow the law, see the law when it comes to cannabis is gray. As we all know, we learn about this every day, whether it's selling the product, whether it's uh, processing the product, growing the product, all these different areas have a lot of grayness built into them. But typically, typically something uh, financial, I guess we'll say is red and black, right? It's either good or bad in that sense, uh, but it gets complicated when it's federally illegal and when it's state legal and don't even get me started on municipality levels, but it gets really complicated when it's that way. And a lot of it's because of uh, what I know is IRC 280E. And I say those letters in those numbers together. I say them with confidence, Angela Mays from the bluntaccountant.com. I say it with vigor. Like I know what I'm talking about, but I'm going to be legit. Not a clue. So <laughs> IRC 280E, uh, I know it's from the eighties. I know it really prevents people from, having, uh, you know, claiming tax breaks on things that are federally illegal. Uh, let's talk through this in IRC or 280E, and then we'll get to know you a little bit. Let's start there. It's okay. what the big topic is. All right. Um, IRC 280E basically says that no deduction or credit is allowed for businesses that traffic in Schedule 1, 2 um, drugs. And that's basically it, meaning okay. that you cannot take any deductions that a normal business would take, um, or you're not allowed to take advantage of credits that the IRS will allow a business to take advantage of. And that's pretty so, much it. So is this, when I've been looking into 280E and I've been looking into what, how bad it is for these companies, some of the things that I was reading was like, they're taxed upwards of 80% because they're not able to take these, to, you know, to, to file these off. And so, you know, people don't really understand that. They see, holy shit, the cannabis industry is just making all this money or them, oh, they're just, and at the end of the day, they're taxed so high, they actually, there's there's almost nothing left on the table for the company at the end. Um, yeah. I, is, is the, are those numbers realistic? Is 80% reasonable yeah. thought it, it, and it and it does I, it, it does depend on um your gross profit but there have been cases where some have paid 70 80 percent and it seems that most of your 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 profit goes to paying the tax but yes um it has been that high in some cases, yes. So and this is effectively across the board, right? This is, you are not allowed any deductions. It doesn't matter. You are a company that touches plant matter under the schedule one, schedule two, and thus you're not gonna, there, there's there's nothing. It's it's not toilet paper. We're not writing off. We're not writing off, you know, anything essentially, um, right? There's a caveat <laughs> and it's called um, cost of goods sold. So you're able to, um, allocate some of those expenses that we call below the line expenses, like your regular operating um, sales and general administrative expenses into, you can allocate them into your cost of goods sold. So what 280E, what it allows you to do is to your, you have your revenue and then after your revenue, you have your cost of goods sold. And then you arrive at your gross profit you are taxed on your gross profit. So you are allowed to allocate some of 
your expenses, your operating expenses into your cost of goods sold, thereby reducing your gross profit. Okay. So that makes sense. And I, we're, we're, I'm trying to like, yeah, go on, DC. I'm trying no, to like no. I mean, fill out I, this form in my head. I sort of see where they're going. And once again, this is why, you know, we talk about this a lot and we've had a lot mm -hmm. of small business folks on here, Dustin. And we always say, you know, accountants and attorneys, your two best friends, you're going to have to have them in almost any startup. But in the cannabis industry, especially, it's going to be extremely important. Right. right. So I can understand, you know, I mean, I understand where you're coming from and I get that. But then I see like so many cannabis companies operating clearly and they're so profitable and it's a b good business to be in and people want to be in this business and they're right. willing to pay this type of at, you know, ridiculous financial penalties and other penalties and other absorbent fees and a state by state level. They're willing to pay all of it because at the end of the day, the money is there. It just seems to be there has to, I've heard of, and I, these other legal loopholes outside of that, is there ways to like, I don't want to say shell companies, but have your parent company, other things, is the IRS onto that? Has that been maybe like four years ago and they've already kind of gotten that, right. that area? Mm -hmm. um, yes. Uh, initially, early on in the end, early on when the industry was new, mm -hmm. um, setting up management companies to manage your plant touching business was a way that a lot of them operated. And I'm assuming that's probably what you're alluding to. Yes, yes, yeah. So, yeah, um, no, you can't. <laughs> you can't no, do that anymore? No, you can't no longer do that. And the reason why I say that is um, once there's a um, a case, I, I think it's called alternative health care, where I want to say 2019, 2018. I can't remember the exact year, but they were... Um, Basically, they had a management company type situation set up and they also had the dispensary set up. And what what these companies are doing is dragging their 280E expenses into a management company. And then the management company is paying the employees, paying. Yes, paying that's what I would have thought would have happened. That makes sense. Right. So, um, but this company was audited by the IRS and then they went to, they challenged it and went to court. And basically, you know, once you drag those 280, 280E expenses into that management company or how, whatever you have it structured as, you're now dragging 280E into that company and causing that company to be a part of, 280E as well. Wow. So, so basically, there's really no way of getting around it. I mean, there have been plenty of cases, and I'm sure you guys, you know, you've been around for a while, so you probably heard of the Harborside case. And then, yes, um, yes, we actually. So there are quite a few cases out there, and everybody is challenging. All of these companies are challenging 280E because they consider themselves to be legal on the state level. So therefore, they should not have to be. Um, ruled by IRC 280E, yeah. but none of the cases are winning at when they go to court because they're kicking all of that back. Um, so what people thought at the beginning, oh, we can have a management company to manage it and not have to 
have everything be here in the plant touching side of the business and move it here where we can start writing these things off on this side, it's not, it's not panning out. So as far as there being like a legal way of getting around it, um, 280 is here. It's no way to get around it. It's all about compliance, um, doing the accounting accurately and having an accountant that understands um, how to allocate those expenses that are normally not deductible into your cost of goods sold. So thereby you reduce your tax liability some, you don't get rid of it, but you do, you're able to reduce your tax liability some because you're you decreasing it. your um, gross profit. So those, some of those things would be what is, is the rent or the lighting in my facility rent. as an operating cost to produce rent. is the water. Rent, um, your, some of your payroll costs okay. and, um, rent payroll and in some cases depreciation, if you're depreciating equipment that's used to produce, um, like on a, um, from a grow or manufacturing side from the resale side, the dispensary side, there's not a lot you can allocate the cost of goods sold, but if you are a grow or a manufacturer, then you have yeah. more expenses that you can allocate to cost the goods sold. And you can also have more expenses that are considered cost of goods sold as well. Um, anything that is used to produce the product, to grow the product, to manufacture the product, those items can go into cost of goods sold. So it's just that you have to have a chart of accounts that is specific to your type of um, plant touching business, whether it's a grow cultivation dispensary, and it just lays out all of those costs, those transactions. So as you incur these transactions throughout the year, your accountant is going to book those into those various accounts and it makes it a lot easier to see from a owner's perspective what you're looking at and helps them to understand these are all the costs that you've incurred to you know to grow or to manufacture these are going to be your cost of goods sold these other expenses um that indirectly impact your um your grow or whatever business you're in we can allocate a percent of those items, transactions into your cost of goods sold as well. So it's it's just keeping very detailed records um, and having a chart of accounts that breaks all of that out for you. That brings up two questions. One actually pertains to this cost of goods operating expense thing. Is that why what is happening when we see a lot of these leasebacks with these facilities for these large MSOs where that one time they were owning the building, now they're offloading that building to a third party company who then manage them, they pay rent to, but even though it's partly owned by them, I've always felt like that was to get away from the 280E and kind of get around some of that and have more control over it. Um, of those expenses, but yeah. it seems, you know, if, if that's happening, what would be the point of that anymore? 280E would still be following them if it's the same organization owning it. Correct? Yeah, right. Well, that's, those are, I guess, setting up like a real estate 
type company um, that actually own the business or own the the building, and mm. then you can rent the building to the business. It has to be set up in a way that it's you can do that. Now, what you say, you can't do that. So it just has to be set up in a way where it clearly shows that this building is is owned by me and I also own a grow and I'm going to lease this building to my grow because I am tech, a real estate <laughs> investor. Like you have yes. to be able to, <laughs> yes. it's not, you're, it's not going to be the same as a management company. Put it that way. You can set up your real estate company in a way where it's totally separate and you're running it as a separate business. Now that would make, yeah, it makes sense. We've had conversations before about cannabis cultivators more being in the real estate business than they are the cultivation business. And I think a lot of it is a, yeah, is financial, right? It's to help the financial part of this business. It doesn't really do anything, but it, for the operational aspect of what they're doing, but it affects the, you know, the bottom line, the dollar. Right. Right. So yeah, that, that is allowed, but you have to really make sure that you have, you know, your your attorney and the right people in the room to set that up, so mm. it doesn't you don't you don't create a a two eighty e issue with that. Uh, do you think something like uh, the IRC two eighty e gets even more confusing? Because here is the other thing that you know I've heard from people are talking. So now you got all these places that are dealing with um, federally illegal. THC, but federally legal industrial hemp derived products, right? So now you have this weird combination of these federally legal hemp derived companies. We'll start with the easiest and the biggest is CBD, but we're learning more and more of these CBG and it's Delta aid and all these other things that are coming out there. So we have all these things. And then you have is part of this, the industrial hemp business guys making hempcrete and such who are Mm -hmm. farming hemp. So how do they deal with that? Is IRC 280 affect that? Mm -hmm. Or even if it doesn't on a, yes, it does it technically on the, you know, the, in the bottom line, schedule one, schedule two lines, but it feels very much like the government and I'm putting some big air quotes here, like still feels those two are so closely linked that do people manipulate that? Let's talk about like, how does CBD and those federally legal cannabis products work okay yeah um I gotta well, that's well, because hemp is legal it, it doesn't fall under 280e at all so okay if so you have a hemp, if you have a hemp business you can just operate it like a regular hemp business and i i believe it will fall more under farming and agriculture um so it would lend itself mostly to, to that industry when it comes to accounting and tax um But if from a CBD perspective, and I just recently, and it's so funny you asked me that, I was just recently um, listening to, attended a webinar, and a similar question was asked about, Mm -hmm. you know, if you, what if you were, what if you were already in a state where they allowed you to sell CBD, and then once it became legal, 
um, they in that state they made it legal to sell okay. cannabis. How do you and you want to uh, use marijuana? Open up a dispensary and sell marijuana. How do you separate the two? Yes. Yeah. So yes. Exactly. You yeah. can still operate here a dispensary, but you still want to sell your CBD. And it was the the person that was giving the presentation, who's been doing tax since all of this for years, since the probably the beginning of the cannabis um, legal industry. He stated that you would have to, they would have to be two separate entities and you would probably have to set it up to where there are two different doors you go into. Yeah, that makes sense. Two thresholds isolated and even signage on each of the thresholds. I've seen laws and stuff state for state. Yes. That just huh. feels like a lot of legal. It is. It, it, it is. is. It, like it we is. all know, we all know, but it feels well, so silly. Like you. And it's that ancillary businesses too. What about the cannabis derived terpenes? What about you know, like a lot of these? How about the testing labs? Because they touch plant matter in their testing, they're not part of that. Right, and they. Oh, they're not. And that was a question that came up also in the same. Oh, um, I didn't know that in the same webinar, and they said testing labs are not do not fall under the two eighty e. it must be because they don't use the plant for profit. Like there's no profitability per se, even though they are right. Testing of it, but in theory, their services are the mechanical testing and really not anything to do with the plant. I'm putting on my lawyer. I'm obviously (laughs) like a Reddit right now. I'm like a lawyer and accountant. I'm basically a TV show waiting to happen with all this knowledge. I'm spouting right now. All facts, by the way. And I genuinely believe even a lot of these accounting laws and stuff are it's based upon the argument that my accountant is making when the audit happens. Why did we do this? What was it for? What were we thinking? Why did this move here and that? So it always felt more nuanced than it did step by step. Your first A, money goes here, then this, you know, I don't know. And and, and the thing is, a lot of these, um, like the attorneys in the industry that are, that represent a lot of these companies that are under audit that go to trial or are just under audit and they don't go to trial. Everything you don't know till you do it and then you get audited and then the result comes and you and they're saying, okay, now you can't do this. So yeah. um when I attended these webinars and trainings, these are the things that they say like until somebody tries it and then they get audited we don't know. So yeah. when you mentioned about it being such a great area, it is really a great area. You don't know till you do it. So you follow what you know that you can do. And, um, but there are a lot of businesses because of that great area. Um, you meant you have dispensaries that will like, they'll sell bongs and, Yes. Yeah. So is that the same tax? Like, yes, exactly. And then they have the dispensary part. And one of the things that there have been cases where they, you know, where they try to allocate some of those regular business expenses into the The smoke shop side of it. And um, that has not been allowed only i want to say champ was the only one they champ set the precedent 
um, okay. for that because Champ initially started out like I think as an AIDS clinic um, that eventually became um, start selling uh, medical marijuana mm. to the AIDS patients. So they had to separate. They were allowed to um, allocate some of those expenses because they were initially an AIDS clinic or something to that effect beforehand. Um, but if you are a dispensary and then you say, okay, I'm going to sell all of these accessories that go along with the, with what I'm dispensing, um, it's, you can do that, but you can't allocate 30 or 40% of these expenses here over into a part of your business that's only generating 2% of the revenue. Yes. So that's where that's where you have to to look at it. If it's um, if you're selling T-shirts and it's not, but over here and you let's say for instance you're selling stuff on this side and the revenue here is seventy five thousand for the year, okay. but on this side it's five million. You it's it's not gonna fly. <laughs> yeah, you know, now, we've seen so, some of the things in the. Oh yeah, go on. Sorry. So, so you you're you're able to you're going to be able to allocate some of those expenses, but you're not going to be able to allocate 40% of those expenses. Yeah. You're going to have, you need to have a separate cash register that's selling these items over here, separate from your cash register yes. here. And you need to have that one person here. That's all they're doing. They're not butt tending in t-shirt selling yes oh so they're paid yeah or even separately employed by the other organization at that kiosk things that you're gonna have to think about when you do that so and your record keeping has to show that and Mm. your policies have to be written to the effect that all the way down to the job descriptions because in cases where you're able to allocate um, let's say, for instance, I work in a dispensary. I'm a butt tender, but at the end of the day, I might go to the back and help, you know, roll joints for the next day or whatever it is. Yeah, I'm in the yeah. So a part of my salary is going to be able to be allocated to mm-hmm. that portion, to what I'm doing after I butt tend. But yes. you have to have clear written policies. Um, job descriptions and you have to have a system set up where, okay, now I'm logging, I'm logging out as the butt tender and I'm going to log in in the back as the, you know, helper to go through, get the inventory ready to be put on the floor. So you'll be able to allocate a part of those. Um, and that's, that's one of the things you get to allocate into your um, cost of goods sold, but you have to keep good records to show that. So those those are the things that are important. Gosh, so, it is. It is a lot. It is so much. Uh, it's amazing. It's a lot. It is. It's a lot of work from an accounting standpoint. And it's a lot of work to just for a business owner who all they want to do is I just want to do what I do. I want to. <laughs> yes, grow, right. I want to dispense. I want to manufacture. Like it's a lot. So and I think a lot of when people go into the business, they don't realize that. And, you know, we're learning it as it as it happens real time. Mm-hmm. I think there's a couple of things there, right? It's always changing in those things. And so when people visit you at thebluntaccountant.com, Angela, if you had to guess, would, are a lot of them business owners who are starting out or are they more people who have already maybe 
got a flag and are now looking to recover? Like, what is the majority of people in the industry? And I guess the the back part of that question really is, do you have a lot of people who are doing this from the start or people thinking about this or are you well, I would a lot assume of that that's fixing? what you want. You I want someone you want, to come. I feel like that's not what the industry is doing. I feel like that's, of course, that's what we're trying to do today. Right. right. Yeah. It's, it's so funny you say that because when I started working um, in the, in the industry, people hire an accountant after they've already started. And <laughs> And not at the beginning, because you don't realize you don't know what you don't know. Yes. So and it's a lot of cleanup, because if you've already been in business and you've already opened your doors, so you have to go back and account for all that time prior to opening. And then you have to get your books in order for now that you're open. So it's a lot of work. And I was thinking, how can you get people before, you know, at the beginning, when they're when they're awarded their license, whether it's conditional license or the full annual license. And that was where I was like, if I could reach people early on and get them to see the importance of setting up the accounting at the beginning, as opposed to after they've opened, then they already have their they they're already set up on the on the right yeah. path yeah, your labor has been cut down in half instantly right. just because they started with you as opposed right. to coming later and, and that's when i created um it's called canna accounting in a box basically. yes i wanted to that's talk about name. this i'm really happy you brought <laughs> this up name. because i definitely we spoke to a lawyer a couple of weeks ago named david Patton, and part of that discussion was this idea of when we first start to have the lawyer and the accountant on the same phone call so that the accountant can say, this is why we want to do it with taxes. And the lawyer can say, this is why we want to set it up with the state and in this way to account for that. Mm-hmm. And I was thinking about the, um, the account, the, the can of, the can accountant in a box. And I also thought like, shit, if I had a, a, a voucher to also talk to a lawyer in that same point that I got my box, now I'm really set up. I from day one, I I truly feel that. I speaking of the can accounting in a box, is it? I I didn't see much literature on it, and so I was curious of how the actual operation of it. I get my package in the mail. I open it up. Is it a dashboard on a website? Is it um, a, a a packet of documents that I can then follow through, like SOP agreements? You know things. Yeah, let's or- talk about it. Can it, accounting in a box? Break it it's, down for it's, us. Yeah, it's not a it's not an actual box that you get. I just kind of I gotta tell you right now. Oh, no, uh, Angela, I like you a lot, but I, my heart's a little broken that I don't get a box. I really. <laughs> you just saw me open up a whole package of stuff. Know, just a picture of Angela person. comes out of the box, like. I'm sure it's fantastic. I just want a little box. So give me a little box with a, (laughs) I really wanted a box. All right. I'm sorry. Um, Let's, let's hear how awesome it is. Basically it, it gives you everything you need from an accounting perspective before, so you can be ready to go before you open your doors. Basically Hmm. you'll get your um, chart of accounts for your specific type of um, plant touching business. And then you'll get, um, your processes and procedures um, based on the areas that the IRS would will look at if you were to be audited. So it basically mm-hmm. helps you to be um, 280E compliant 
and audit ready before you open your doors. And the areas that the IRS typically look at when they audit, they're going to audit your um, your gross receipts, basically your um, revenue. And what we have put together is going to be processes and procedures around how you um, recognize your revenue from whether you are banked or unbanked. Um, mm -hmm. So if you deal in cash, then it's going to be processes and procedures specifically around cash because it's such with it being such a cash intensive business. And if you don't have banking, the IRS, if you were to get audited, the first thing they're going to assume is that you're underreporting your 100%. revenue. 100%. Yes, so absolutely. They're going to go in there and perform specific audit techniques to determine whether or not you are reporting all of your cash that comes through the door from your business. So we put in um, cash controls and processes to show how you're receiving your cash and then how what you're doing when you disperse cash to buy whatever it is you need to buy um, for the business. So um, that's one of the areas. And then we look at, uh, they are going to look at your inventory and cost of goods sold. So we put processes, accounting processes and procedures in place um, that specifically address those areas. And as well as your the other your other expenses and that you incur in the business. So we take all of that, put together all of your your controls, your processes and procedures and implement those. So you already have them going when you open up like there's no having to go back and put all that stuff um, in place. So you no, these... have, uh, could have, by the way, we should mention, you find a link right uh, in our comments below. You'll find a link to the bluntaccountant.com. Uh, you can schedule an appointment today, uh, to talk with Angela and her team at the bluntaccountant.com, uh, to find out about, uh, Canada accounting in a box, not technically in a box. We're going to put parentheses, not literally <laughs> in a box, uh, but it's going to be fantastic <laughs> on your hard drive, which is technically a box in some weird way. I'm just so are you right. are you then taking these operating procedures that you're handing them and are you then I guess if I was to do this on your end my first thing would do would be to set up exactly how I want them to do it and hand that that paperwork to them this is your pathway going forward setting it we're setting, we're setting the, it up mm -hmm. so then the secondary effect of that would be I want to create rules on my QuickBooks side of things so that when I insert this into this area, the rule automatically knows where to file it based on your stuff. Is that essentially what you do? And you've kind of, you predetermined rules just based on this operation being so yeah. fundamental and the same across the board. Right. What we, what I do is I, um, once we set up the chart of accounts and QuickBooks and because I, the way I set this up, Count accounting in a box is to be turnkey, meaning that I know that early on when you're getting started, you don't have the budget to probably hire an accountant on a monthly basis. Yeah. And mm -hmm. that's why I, I created it to where I can put it together for you. And it's a turnkey solution that the that's owner better. or whoever can go into QuickBooks and if they have banking, they can automatically upload those transactions um, into QuickBooks. And I'm going to teach them 
how to go in and um, if a transaction comes in for for supplies or whatever it is, there's a supplies account that we can book that transaction to and you can set up rules as well where it automatically can go in there. So um, in addition to putting together the whole system is to also train the owner because QuickBooks is one of the most user-friendly um, accounting systems out there and anybody can pretty much go in and use it once it's set up properly. That's it's that setup part, right? That's the key. Yeah, I think that's setup. where a lot of yeah. small business owners, people getting started in such uh, struggle with that. I'd be remiss, Angela, if we have you mm -hmm. on the show, did not just figure out a little bit about how you got here. You know, we talked a lot about a cannabis and accounting and IRC 280E, and boy, we could talk about that for hours and hours and hours, Angela. <laughs> and I think you could, and you could keep really just educating Dustin and myself, uh, Dustin and myself, and look at me, Dustin and myself <laughs> uh, on this stuff and IRC 280E. Um, and we might get to that a little bit more before we go. But how, I guess maybe why? Like we everyone's in, yeah, we talk is, about the why in you're this four show years in, right? So why this, is, this industry? I mean, is what were you in? I assume an already accountant and saw it as an avenue. You have personal calls. Like, what was the reason to take obviously a, a great backbone of accounting skills and say, I think I can help this industry uh, a little bit? Yeah, I was um introduced well actually i some uh a, a lady on um linkedin she was in the industry yeah, LinkedIn. and <laughs> reached out to me because i was already doing um accounting for small businesses but i hadn't niched down into um a particular niche mm -hmm. and um I guess she saw my profile and reached out and was like, have you ever considered cannabis? And I was like, no, not really. Like I, I hadn't even thought about it. And so she basically sold me, she was part of a, uh, a training program and, huh. and sold me on it. And I was like, sure. And that's how I got started. Um, I went through the training program and I'm actually still, she has a, um, a, 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 an organization where she provides regular training and webinars of people in the industry. Hmm. So I'm always attending um, some type of webinar to stay just knowledgeable on what's going on, what's changing, um, and providing us contacts in the industry, whether it be banking, insurance, um, anything that can help us help our clients. Um, with whatever it is that they need in um in, in the cannabis industry so that's how i got started and i'm actually glad i did i mean i came my background with, um, accounting I, I did accounting and consulting i worked for the big four um i did i worked in defense in the defense um industry and oh, wow. in the intel in the intel industry uh with doing um management consulting, writing policies and procedure for Intel agencies, um, doing uh, putting together processes and procedures, um, helping um, various DOD agencies and Intel agencies with um, preparing to You go from talking to like, yeah, you like scary people to people who are scared to wow. people who are paranoid. Like, like you, you really, you, yeah. you, 
You're like looking back. Uh, are the accounting types like when you go to your accounting shingdig mixers? I'm sure there's accounting things. Are you now like? Are you like uh, like looked down upon? Is like the weed uh, accountants now? Is there like hierarchy no. in there? No, or, like, they're the jealous. People, you yeah, got guys who are working jealous. with like restaurants and medical guys, and then you got Angela who's like. I just talked to a guy who was smoking a blunt while I was doing his accounting work. Like it worked. Yeah, it was you know, it's, it's so funny when you when you mention that. Oh, I do. A, you know, I, I work in the cannabis industry. I do accounting for you know cannabis businesses, and they're like, really? That's a thing. Like, not a lot of people know it's a thing. And then when you start talking about it, that's when they're like, oh, that that sounds pretty cool. It's pretty interesting. Different, a different way to use your you know your accounting background and. And so, yeah, I have to ask this real quick. Hold on. I have to ask this because it's right on topical. Uh, So because it's very near to me. So when I introduce myself and this just happened in the doctor's office three days ago, when I introduce myself and people make chit chat, small talk as they do at Shindings, uh, they ask you, what do you do for a living? I always say, as I do marketing, stop. (laughs) <laughs> they may ask more if they ask more than I go, but some people that's enough. So, and then if they say what field and this person was like, you work in big tech. And I'm like, no cannabis, by the way, that ended that conversation. Uh, because he's a nurse. <laughs> so when you say it, when I work in, do you go accounting and let them fish or do you just go all in? Oh, just, Here's who I am. <laughs> so you are just, you are a cannabis accountant. You're not like accounting. I wish I was as strong as Angela Mays right now. That's what I <laughs> Angela Mays at deeplinaccount.com. Like there's someone who is comfortably, we love this term here, comfortably out of her cannabis closet. If you're rocking that, uh, yeah. uh, thank you, Brian Adams, for that term. Uh, you are Angela May at the Blunt Accountant. Well, I guess if you're going to hand a, a card, that's like the bluntaccountant.com, which is a little tricky to say, the Blunt Accountant. I think I it's it. awesome. I think the marketing is on point. Some, I think you nailed a, it. There's a staccatoness to say it. The blunt yeah, account. And, and I, I, I enjoy a lot. I'm a very enunciated person. I obviously I talk silly and over enunciate words. So to say the blunt accountant, like I could say that all the time. The blunt accountant.com. <laughs> Angela Mays, that's awesome. And it's official. Um, it's it's officially trademark. I actually got my email from my attorney saying that it's 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 trademark. Awesome. I got a certificate and I'm about to frame it and I'm <laughs> yes. Um, that's congratulations, truly. It's it's one of those things where you don't think about it. Again, this is what this what I mentioned it before, but this is your fourth year in this mm-hmm. niche specifically. Yes. Um yeah, it's one of those things like year one, you don't think about that. You're not, you're just like, is this even going to work? Can I do this for a living? Can I is this am I specialized enough in this? Yeah. And and I, it's one of those things that, yeah, by year four, when you start thinking about the trademark and you see what you've really accomplished over the last four years, I think it, it is. It's a super powerful moment in the business. And it sets that tone going forward, too, that my foundation is built. I know what the fuck I'm yeah, talking about. Exactly. I am in this with you for good. It, it's, it says a lot of things. And so I'm really pr- I'm happy for you. And the other thing, thank you. Thank you. And the other thing I realized now that I'm actually in it, you can niche down within the industry. You can say, I just want to work with cultivation or I want to work only want to work with dispensaries. Hmm. Or even if you don't want to work with plant touching businesses that specifically touch the plant, but work with um, like the businesses that do the construction in the industry, Hmm. you can niche down within the industry. And that's um, one of the things I'm 
considering doing um, is niching down within the industry because it's becoming a subject matter expert for that particular ah. for that particular um, wow. vertical. Um, then you become the go-to, you know, like that's the expert for cultivation oh. accounting, period. That's what I love the, that. the specialization is truly where the like value for work comes yes. in. It's not necessarily a dollar amount per hour. It's this is the value I, I am to your company. And this is where I also think and that the early at first, adoption of it. Yeah, be, be yeah. early to a specialization. Someone who's like the top, the first two or three in processing uh, IRC 280E specialization is going to put you really high up demand. You'll be hosting those webinars, Angela May. You'll be and it, the ones talking okay, about yeah. them. Yeah, I, man, you'll be, you'll, be, you'll, be, you'll be doing that. That's what, you'll be like, come on. I mean, that's where you got the gift already. So I'm looking forward to that. Well, and at first it makes sense to cast a wide net and see what your actual clientele is, who right. actually is coming into, who's finding like. you, what is that market? And then saying, wow, I really enjoy doing this, or this is what I'm excelling in. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do that for good. I, um, I, you're slowly, I think if I had a financial dream team, I would have Angela Mays and Jason Richardson from Bookkeep who can create the API. Oh, Dustin froze for a second there. Uh, Bookkeep, Angela was a, a, a dispensary uses and connect it into the QuickBooks for you to do your job on the accounting end. Yes. And uh, yeah, I, I actually, the, you guys are awesome. I really, I love what you're doing. I really like the value you're providing. Thank you. So is that I'm what's ready. next for you? Is that, sorry, I didn't cut you off there. Is that where you're going next? We always usually end on that. So are you uh, niching down a bit or uh, what I'm, else I'm is in the horizon? I'm thinking about it. I, I really am thinking about it um, because I end up having clients in one area. And the more I learn about that particular um like cult well, cultivation, the more I learn about it, and not just from the accounting standpoint, just from cultivation period, just learning about mm -hmm. what goes into it and seeing the whole process, I really like that. I really like learning about all the different products that are, you know, everything that's being grown. Um, so that's where... I was like, hmm, I think I, I like the cultivation side of because of everything that I've learned and talking to people that that do it, that are the the um that grow, they're so into it and just learning about how they do it and the various uses for the different for the the different plants that they grow. So that just really, you know, I was intrigued by that. That's so. interesting. You mentioned Virginia, that you live in Virginia right now for the D.C. area. Um, I really would love to end the show in some capacity on something you're looking forward to with some of, you know, Virginia's legislation that has been happening in terms of the legalization and what you've been seeing. Oh, kind some of head shaking. This, the state's conversations. Um, <laughs> oh, no, no, no. <laughs> it's not yeah. good. It doesn't sound good, Dustin. <laughs> happening. No, literally just <laughs> Thursday. I want to say this past Thursday, because um, I get all the emails from, you know, entrepreneur and everything that's going on normal. And I want to say this past Thursday, I got an email, read an article about Virginia um, legislation decided to vote against um, adult use. Um, and it's probably not going to come up again for a whole nother year. So 
when I went to a conference about three months ago in Richmond, everybody was optimistic about what was coming in January. Oh, because everything was already set in place before the new administration came in and everybody was looking forward to the legal market here in Virginia. And then um, it got put on hold and then it was supposed to come up for discussion and it did. And then it got squashed. So I don't know what's going to happen. I was thinking that it was going to happen because with where I am, you know, DC is a, is right across the river and so is Maryland and Maryland just voted for to legalize. So I was like, well, Virginia's going to follow suit because it would seem like all yes. that re- all that tax revenue that's going to happen in in Maryland, you think they want to be a part of it. So I knew that it was going to I'm like, oh, they're going to do it, but they didn't. So just gonna have to cross the Potomac and go over to um, <laughs> Maryland. Or to it's DC, that little. There's is- few states: Virginia, you know, the West Virginia, the Carolinas, you know, the Alabama, Georgia, obviously even Florida, which is a billion plus medicinal, but still doesn't want that adult use, you know, in mm-hmm. that regards. Um, we'll see. You know, it's gonna be weird. It's gonna be changing the rules, the regulations. They're always evolving right and that's what makes this industry so hard so that's why people like angela mays in the bluntaccountant.com you'll find a link below subscribe and then go visit angela if you are starting a cannabis business i think you can tell from this last hour uh angela mays you are spot on uh thank you so much for joining us thank you so much uh for educating dustin and i um we really appreciate you having it on hopefully we'll get to see you again uh that canna uh accountants in a box is a great idea if you're just getting started yes. we know a lot of people looking to start up cannabis businesses uh and this are some of the questions they have can't answer them angela can so the oh, definitely I w- i'd rather you start now than later definitely love it all right everyone don't forget uh give us a subscription we'd appreciate it at meet wm socially uh, final shout out, King Palm. Thank you, King, King Palm, Palm. Thank you. We're going to give King Palm a shout out. Uh, I'm not Some of those better come over to my house soon. We'll see about that. We'll, we're going to share uh, <laughs> with our friends. King Palm, uh, you're awesome. Thank you, Dan, from King Palm. And you guys, thank you very much. We'll see you next week, everybody.